theyeshiva.net. So here, towards the end of the Maimur, the Balatanya comes back full circle to the opening of the Maimur. This Maimur of the Balatanya began on the Pasuk, Levyosun Zayatzar to Lusachig Boy. You've created the Levyosun to toy with it. And brought the Medrash Rabbah in Parsha Shmini, Parsha Yud Gimel. And the Medrash taught us, the sages taught us that the Behemoth and the Leviathan, the wild oxen and the Leviathan whale, are going to constitute the Kenigion, the circus of the, uh, the circus of the Tzadikim, La'asid Lave, and the future Mashiach comes. And the Medrash describes in details, in detail, that similar to the circuses, of nowadays that monarchs, dictators, leaders, tyrants, princes staged for theatrical purposes and theatrical entertainment and musings in their gladiators and circuses throughout the world where animals would fight each other, battle each other, quarrel each other, and uh, the competitiveness perhaps the violence and the blood was uh, music to their ears or music to their entertainment to their eyes so the Medrash says that those who abstained from those kinigias, from those circuses those who did not eat those animals or watch those or be entertained by those fights they will have another kinigian another type of circus and this circus will be specifically between the Leviathan the whale, the great titanic large fish, and the shirhabar, which literally means the untamed, undomesticated, wild ox from the outside, bar, the one on the outside, not the one who is uh, confined in the parameters of, of human confinements and discipline. And the behemoth, the wild oxen, will stab the Leviathan fish with their horns, with its horns, and tear it open, so the Leviathan would die. On the other hand, the Leviathan would do the same thing to the ox, where it would use its powerful, the, the edge of its fins, and, and gore the ox, and it would die. And that would become the feast of the righteous people, La'asid Say that says the Medrash in Shmini Yud Gimel, Similar to what the Gemara says in Babasra, Ayin Dalad, Ayin Hey, that the Suda of Leviosin and Sher Habar, the feast of the Leviosin and Sher Habar for the Tzaddikim when Mashiach comes. The Medrash itself asks on itself, poses the question that this contradicts a Mishnah, the Masech Techulin, Hakal Shaychtin, or Bakal Shaychtin, or Bakal Shaychtin, or La'olam Shaychtin, Chutz, Mimagal Kotzir, etc., that even though there are few limitations for shechita, there is the limitation of shechita that you have to use only an instrument that slaughters the animal a specific way. And the fin would be disqualified, just like the sickle used for harvest would be disqualified because of its many sharp edges, which stabs the animal rather than has the draw of the smooth sword. Thus, how can a tzaddik, how can any Jew, eat this ox that was not slaughtered halachically 
even after Mashiach comes, halacha is halacha, ha-tayra ha-zayis, loy The halacha is the laws of Torah will not be changed. And on this, the Medrash answer is based on a posik in Yeshaya, that Torah me'iti teitze, chidush Torah me'iti teitze, Torah chadosha me'iti teitze, there's going to be a new Torah, a new novel, in Torah, a new novel insight in Torah, that's going to allow them to eat this shchita, which as the Mepharshim, most Mepharshim explain, that it's going to be a hiras shah, meaning a, a temporary, momentary instruction and dispensation that one can eat from this type of food, even though it was not slaughtered halachically, even though one could never violate Torah. But we know the principle that a Navi, a prophet, if it's hiras shah, if it's an authentic prophet, prophet whose authenticity has been established gives a momentary, a temporary instruction to violate Torah, unless it's Havayda Zora, a love to Shmon, a love to Shmon, the Gemara and Sifri and Chazan, the Rambam and Ilchis Yisraeli elaborates on this, there's a chiyuv to listen to him, similar to Elio Anavi, who offered the offerings outside of the Beis HaMikdash, Bahara Karmel, he offered an axe, he was makrevit, and he did the whole process outside of the Beis HaMikdash, which is obviously forbidden, if Eliyahu would have permanently changed the halach, he would not allow to listen, he would not be permitted to listen to him. Since it was a temporary instruction, unique moment in history, there is that concept, as long as it's not about Avoid Zara, and thus, this is how the Mepharshim explained, the Medrash doesn't say this, because the Medrash says, at least in this area, there's going to be a new Torah. The whole story from beginning to end is very strange, obviously, it requires a lot of beer, a lot of Hezbo. First of all, what does this mean? How can the reward for not participating in the gladiators and circuses during the long history of the Jewish people, whether it was in Rome or in Greece or other parts of the world where this was the this was one of the highlights of uh, entertainment of the of the aristocracy and the royalty to watch to watch these violent battles between people and between animals and between people and animals and slaves and animals. How can the reward for this be another kinigia, another, another circus? Something is, is, is missing here. Number two, if you take a fish out of water, it doesn't live. So you're going to put the Leviathan and the Sherebah in the, in, the, in the circus, they're going to fight. Once you put the Leviathan already on dry land, it's gone. Or you take the ox and you put him into the sea, so he's gone. So the whole Kinigi doesn't seem to make sense. See, you don't need a circus with them killing each other. Leviathan is already going to be dead outside of the water, unless it's not a fish. But the whole idea of the Leviathan is the amphibious creature who lives underwater. The third question is, Vasepis Leviathan and Sher Habarmi. It could be many other animals. In the circuses and gladiators, they used other animals. And then, what's this whole idea that there's going to be a new Chiddush, that you could shecht it, that you can eat it even though it wasn't shechted in the normal way of shechita. This area, this circus needs some new chiddush, and this represents Mashiach's coming, chiddush Torah meititetze. The whole idea obviously needs a lot of explanation, and that's what this mimer comes to explain. What is the deeper meaning of this uh, of this medrash in Parshish Shmini, and what is the deeper meaning of this whole feast, Bechlal, what's this feast that the tzaddikim are looking for, it seems like because they abstained for thousands of years, God rewards them with a feast that they never had before, and they're going to eat and eat and eat and not stop eating of this delicious foods, and this is the ultimate reward of Mashiach for their avodah. Also, the whole thing requires explanation. I think they, I think they used to take Jewish slaves and put them in. Yeah, 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 yeah.
Yeah. They would sometimes take Jewish slaves. It was one of the reasons that Chazal allowed and sometimes demanded Jews to go there. Caesarea, Caesarea was one of the... You could still go there. You could see the... Huh? The aqueducts, yeah. The Colosseums that they built with the bleachers, the theaters, yeah, amphitheaters, where they would sit. And, and Chazal wanted Jews to go even on Shabbos because very often, based on the cheering of the crowd, they would decide to let the slave live or have the slave die. So it was really an issue of saving lives. So they wanted Jews to go there and, and, and cheer for the slaves because often it was, they wanted to hear the feedback of the audience. It was a very cruel, uh, it was a cruel spectacle. It was a cruel spectacle. So they wanted, uh, they wanted the Jews to go there, yeah. So the Gemara says in Megillah that Yerushalayim and Kesaria spiritually can't coexist. If, if, if this one exists, this one doesn't exist because it represented two uh, diametrically opposed uh, perspectives on life. Yeah. You could see it. You ever went to Kesaria? Yeah. So what was the point of the explanation? The point of the explanation here is that this metric really represents a very profound idea, a profound spiritual idea. And that is that there are two types of souls who serve Hashem with sincerity and serve Hashem with, with dedication and commitment throughout all of history. And one category of souls are called the Leviathans, and another category of souls are called the Sher Habars. So we're not only dealing with two physical creatures in terms of animals and fish, they're representative of two types of souls. The difference between the two, as he puts it, the Leviathan souls, the example of those souls, he says, it's like Rabbi Shimon Bar when he was in the cave. It's like the others before Matan Taira. It's like Moshe Rabbeinu, who was given the name Moshe because he was submerged in water and taken out of water. Like Darizal and Chavei Darizal, he gives an example, at least part of his Avodah. And what's the definition of these souls? Is like the Leviathan. The Leviathan, is submerged in water, it's a fish. The definition of fish is that they must remain in water and that's the source of their life. And you don't even see the fish. The fish are invisible. This is known as Alma de Iskasia, souls who live in a concealed world. Similar to fish, they are completely submerged in their source of life to the point that they have no visibility outside of their source of life. And if they would walk on top of the water, they wouldn't survive. Even if they were connected to the water, they have to be inside the water. They're always in the mikveh. Submerged inside the water, the water must cover them up. What does this represent spiritually? It's the type of a soul whose entire I, his entire sense of life, entire identity is submerged in the source of ultimate life, in the ultimate source of life, which is Hashem, godliness, to the point that there's nothing outside that's visible. There's no I that's sensed outside of its source of life. And that's its definition of life. It's not an extracurricular activity when it has a moment or as part of routine. This is his definition of existence. The definition of existence is that the I is completely submerged in the source of life. On the contrary, if you detach it even a little bit and even for a few moments, as the famous expression of Rabbi Akiva, Masech Tebrachas, If you take them away from the water, even if you have them on top of the water, so they're still connected and linked to the water, they die. They can't live anymore. This is this is a soul for whom his his or her entire entity, entire existence is dvekas, is oneness, is intimacy with the source. 
and there's nothing outside of it. There's no sense of ego or uh, selfhood outside of that water, and that's why they're called Levyasan, which comes from the word Yilava, Hapam Yilava, which means oneness, intimacy, connection, Hishabrus, very deep connection. They're always in a state of of Dveikas with the Ein Seif, and he says they connect all the worlds with Ein Seif. They are like the vortex who connect all of the universes, all of the Olamas, all of this world and all of the worlds with the Ein Seif, and they live in that process, and it's a very, very concealed avoid because it's internal. It focuses on Ruchnis, it focuses on spirituality, it focuses on Kavana, Yichudim, Avaidus Halev, internal, emotional, Avaidah that is within the mind and within the heart, not visible. And the Zohar calls them, Nune Yamad Aslam the fish of the sea who walk on dry land. They may walk on dry land, but essentially they have the nature of the fish of the sea. And that's what Yaakov intimated when he used the words, V'yidgu l'arayv b'kerev ha'aretz, as the Zohar explains it. They may be on earth, b'kerev ha'aretz, walk in the midst of earth, and the earth but essentially they're in a state of v'yidgu, which is dagim, the state of fish, which is why Moshe is called Moshe, because he was taken of water, out of water. Even when he's on dry land, he still represents a water creature. Moshe is born, interestingly, somebody wrote to me, Moshe was born in the month of Adar, which is also mazel dagim, the constellation. It's the sign of uh, a fisco, a fish, dagim, which are in the water, just like Moshe is called Moshe, he was, uh, he was drawn out of water. And he says, when Rajbi was in the Maira for 13 years, he couldn't do many of the mitzvahs on a physical level. He couldn't do matzah on pay, he couldn't eat matzah on Pesach, or make kiddush on wine, or have an estrig on sukkahs, or sit in a sukkah, etc., etc. But nonetheless, all of these mitzvahs he fulfilled, beruchnius, on a spiritual level, like the patriarchs, like the others, fulfilled all of the mitzvahs before the Torah was given. Even though many of the mitzvahs they could not fulfill, in a physical level, on a practical level, as we do them today, as is stated in, in, in Halacha, in Gemara, in Shulchan Aruch, in Paiskim, but the energy of the mitzvah, they captured and they captured fully, not in an external physical sense, but the, the, the energy, the inner, the, the inner godliness and flow of consciousness that the mitzvah generates and warrants. That's how these types of souls fulfill the mitzvah. There are other souls... And those souls are called Sher Habar. The reason they're called Sher Habar is because they're not amphibious creatures. They live on dry land, and the definition of creatures on dry land is the exact opposite of creatures in the sea. If they're submerged, for them, submergence in water is the source of life. For us dry land creatures, to be submerged in our source of life, which is earth, spells the end of life, burial. The definition of a creature of dry land is a sense of separateness, a sense of distinctiveness, a sense of identity, a certain sense of self that is separate from its source, even if it's dependent on its source. Even when we walk on the earth, we walk on the earth, not in the earth. And certainly we don't even have to walk on the earth. Man has managed to create a world in which we can be much higher than the earth. You can even get into an airplane and be elevated far, far above the earth. You can be detached from earth. Here the definition of life for the dry land creature is not submerged in the source of life, but there's a certain sense of 
of separateness, of self, of independence. Unlike the fish. You want to know, so why do they want to kill each other? <laughs> That's a good question. That's what we're going to get to in a few moments. I'm just giving a summary of the full picture, at least a part of the picture, so that we, should, we, can, be, we can get to that point. So what for the amphibious creature spells life, for the dry land creature would be the opposite of life. For him or her, working on dry land means... I exist. And that's why there's another component here which comes together with the first component, which is also fascinating. When you look at the water, there's oneness. The bed of water, the water bed, unites everything under it. Even though the diversity the amazing, spectacular diversity that we experience on dry land, we experience also in the sea. But when I'm looking at that ocean, what I see is an innocent cover. There's a certain serenity, a certain serenity that there's just everything is water. Even though under the water it's action-packed, it's an action-packed world. It's quite adventurous there. But for that you have to go in, inside, it's concealed. On dry land, that's not the case. The diversity is open, it's displayed. Right here in this room, you could see it. Everybody occupies their space and their personality and their idiosyncrasies, present company excluded, uh, and their distinctive nature and, and physique and shape. And, and, and this, this is wherever you look in dry land, any category of life, it's all connected to the same sort, to the same idea. The yam represents that what's seen, what's visible is the source of life. The flow of the water. Spiritually, the divine consciousness, and therefore the distinctiveness between creatures is not visible. What's sensed is the harmony, the oneness, the unity. You and I, you, you and I are really one, even if there's different manifestations of that oneness. But dry land consciousness represents a consciousness where initially what you see is differences. I am I, and you are you. And now we have to work and figure out, could we connect? Why should we connect? How could we connect? What's the mutual benefit? Maybe you want to invest in my company, etc. There's two states of consciousness. state of consciousness, when you look, what you see initially is the oneness. And then you have to figure out, if we're one, why are we separate? The answer is because from one came many. That's the truth. From one came many. On dry land, the consciousness is many. Diversity, distinctiveness. What's called hischalkos, division. And now we have to work to create oneness. Because this is the principle. This is always the principle in Pneumius Atayra. That the closer you come to the source, and when I mean closer, I don't mean geographically. I mean in state terms of consciousness. The closer you come to the source, the more oneness. The further you go away from the source, the more distinctiveness. Because everything comes from one source. And therefore there is a oneness that pervades essentially the whole universe and all of the creatures. Hashem Alekeinu, Hashem Echad. And the Baal Shem Tev used to say Hashem Echad doesn't only mean that there is one God. That's of course true. There's one God. There's not many gods. Doesn't only mean Hashem Echad that God is not made up of pieces. Like a body is made up of different limbs. But God is indivisible. Achdus Apshut, Avada. 
Hashem Echad also means something deeper than that. And that is the definition of Hashem is Echad. It's one. There is oneness. It's the only one. It's a oneness that pervades all of existence. So the souls that live in the Yam are in a state of Livyoson. Dveikus, his chabrus with the source and therefore also his chabrus with each other. Because the moment you sense the one source, there's automatic indivisibility. Unity becomes organic. It's natural. Because we're really one. But the Sher Habar, who's on the outside, Bar on the outside, and Sher Habar, the earth, the terrestrial, the, ter- the, the terrestrial, the earthbound creature, not the amphibious creature. Here there's a different Avodah Hashem. Here the Avodah Hashem is within a realm of battle, a realm of separateness, a realm of ego, a realm of where one feels the self that is disconnected. And here, the focus of Avodah, as he says, is very much in the physical world. Avodah begashmis, ein simcha, ela My simcha, my dveikas in Hashem, for example, can only be through basar. And as he explained, it doesn't mean that when the time of the Gemara, when the Gemara says this in Psachim Dav Kuftes, doesn't only mean that at the time of the Beis Hamikdash, the only way you could be happy was by eating the meat of the Beis Hamikdash, and as he puts it, fill up your stomach, and then dance around and say, I'm satiated and I'm happy. What it means is the halas habasar, the sublimation of the basar. There's no simcha in this world like the simcha of aligning the flesh and the blood of material body and the material world with its source of harmony. Ain't simcha and all the mitzvahs, each mitzvah in its own way is a mitzvah that is basically a protest against the separateness of the physical world. Every mitzvah in one form or another Every mitzvah in one form or another is a rebellion against the statement that the world is a separate place, is a divisive place. A mitzvah like tzedakah. What's the mitzvah of tzedakah? Herele HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shal Hashem showed Moshe, the Machzus HaShekel, a fiery coin, a coin of fire. So it says what he was showing him was a Jew takes a penny, a nickel, a quarter, a dime, a dollar, a hundred dollars, a check, and gives it for tzedakah. Yeah, it's not just physical money. It's a matbeya shalesh. He revealed as a fired. It's fire that he gave. It's not just he gave physical money. The physical money represents divine fire, matbeya shalesh. And what does tzedakah say? Tzedakah says that we're not disconnected. That we are connected. That there is a deeper connection. The same is true with every single mitzvah, in one way or another. Which is why Hillel told the convert, the potential convert, when he wanted, he should teach him the whole Torah when he's standing on one foot. What did he say? The Gemara says in Masech Shabbos, a little before the story of the cave in Rav ben Yechai, that Hillel said, what's the whole Torah? What you dislike to be done to you, don't do it to anybody else. That's the whole Torah. Everything else is commentary. Now Zilgmar, now go study the commentary. Go figure out the commentary. What does Hillel say? That every Toysvis in Meseches Chulim, and every Rajma in Babakama, and every Rebakivahege in Mesechta Shabbos, and every Rajbam in Babakasu, every Psochim, is a commentary on love. I, there's people who learn Toysvis in Mesechta Chulim, and Rajma in Mesechta Babakama, and Toysvis in Mesechta Zvachim. Where do you see commentary on love? You see intricate 
halachas and details and questions and rayas. So Hillel is saying apparently there's something you're not understand. You're not understanding. It's essentially a commentary. The whole Torah is a commentary on this type of av, on this love. It says a Pirkei Torah that doesn't come together with work won't last. quoted the who said, Every Torah that doesn't come with the Malach of Avas Yisrael, Yedesh Tikal Torah was breakish to Avas Yisrael, there's something missing in the Torah. Kol Torah, every Shtikal Torah ultimately is a commentary on Ava. Because every single shtikl Torah and every single mitzvah, whatever form manifestation it takes on, is ultimately part of protesting and rebelling against the fact that there is true separateness. That the world and the divine are two separate things that are detached. And therefore we who live in the world are also essentially detached. We're not connected. The consciousness of the Levyason is not easily attained by the Shur Habar. It's a different Avaidah. This Avaidah focuses on the material world, deals with the material world, must refine it, must deal with it, must confront it, subdue it, transform it, sublimate it. And that's where the Simcha comes from. Ein Simcha, Ela Bebasa. The only Simcha is by confronting and elevating the Basar. And that's why he said their movements are also different movements. The movement of the Levyason is very subtle. It's very silent. Just like you don't see it, and the fish moves with such speed from one end of the world to the other end of the world, with one swoop, with one swoop it lifts its, its snapirim, its, its, its fins, which are its wings, and it, with such alacrity and uh, with such swiftness, subtle swiftness, but it's not visible because it's not a hot-blooded creature. You don't see the intensity on a fish. What you see is cold-bloodedness, a certain sense of serenity. These souls too, because everything is so internal, it can't never be manipulated because it's not on the outside. It doesn't lend itself to photographs. You could take pictures from external things. It's very hard to take pictures. You can't take a picture of, of, of Pneumius, of inside. It's not, it doesn't lend itself to any type of, uh, of manipulation because it's not on a visible display. And therefore the movement is also very, very swift huge sweeps and huge spans of territory that are uh, very, very... From, from one space to another space to a high space, the movement is, is so internal and so subtle, so it happens so fast. And he says, it's really, he says, he can't explain in words how this works and what it is to describe really what such a soul looks like, what it operates on. Very hard to verbally, he says... What's his lashon? And then you have the Shir Habar. Here movement is much different. There's a lot of passion. There has to be passion because there's resistance. There's a lot of ritichus hadamim. There's a certain sense of, of, of hislavus, of the passion that we call hot-bloodedness, a fire, a passion, just like a Shir Habar versus a Leviosa. You look at a fish, there's like a certain calmness. You look at a shayr, especially a shayr, a bar, who's wild, who, you see a lot going on. You see a lot, okay, they live in a different continent, live in a different place. After this whole explanation, and we discussed here one angle of it, because there were quite a few details, we now come back to the conclusion to understand divrei chazal, v'chidoisam, what did the chazal mean when they spoke 
not infrequently about the greatest Suda, the big feast of the Luvyasan and Sher Habar that await all of us. So let's now continue weiter. Uh, we're holding page 36, or Yudches, column 3, almost on the bottom. Almost on the bottom. Yeah. The line starts, Eishvi Hislavos. Eishvi Hislavos. I don't know, like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Around 11 lines from the bottom, Eishvi Hislavos. So you have the Sher Habar who serves Hashem with a fire, with a passion, and that's why it's called Bar. Bar doesn't only mean the ox is on the outside, it's untamed, it's wild. Bar also comes from the word... Bar Levav, it's refined, it's a shur that is refined. It's an oiz ge'edel tashur, it's an ox that is mevurer, miloshen, neki chapayim uvar levav, a levav that's bar, that's purified, it's a pure heart, not just a regular shur. We're not talking about ain't simchel abebasar, a fresh game. We're talking about yismechu v'chokol yisol makat a refined shur. You don't have it? Page 36, on top it says Shmini. The first column around 10 lines from the bottom. The line starts, Eish v'hislavos. Ela sha'afo pekein milse zutvisi l'gabihilu chaniflo sholat sadikim anekroim l'vios. Nonetheless, despite its tremendous quality, it's small relative to the growth, to the movement of the souls of the tzadikim wakod l'vios, which he calls hilu chaniflo. A wondrous movement. Because here the whole aliyah, the sublimation and relationship to Hashem is created from a dover gashmi, from the material matter and something finite. With the movement of the souls of Achas, with one flight, with one shup, as he said before in Yiddish, one swoop, with a sense of coldness. Ubenachas and serenity, magiim lemaila maila they can reach with one flight, very very high, and this is constant. So one can understand how high they reach. which is infinitely greater and loftier and more sublime than the growth of the sherhabar. The sherhabar is dealing with the gashmi, so therefore the growth is ultimately great, but it's coming from finite reality where the Levyosan lives in a world of infinity. He lives in a world of spiritual consciousness, which is not obstructed and encased. He, uh, he doesn't get encumbered, doesn't get encumbered by the barriers and the constraints and the finiteness and the limits of the Olam HaGashmi. Just like you can't compare the Levyosan to Sherebar. He calls here the word Tisa, flight. Even though in uh, 1811, this Maimon was said, Tovkuf Ayin Aleph, 1811, is exactly one century before the Wright brothers gave the world the concept of, of flight, of Tisa. Huh? <laughs> they learned the Kutatayra, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We learned the Maimon Torah of He says, what's a Chalam? A Chalam is that you dream things that are not reality. He says, Lamashal, Sfina HaPirachas Ba'avir. You dream about a fish, a, a boat that flies. So there's an interesting thing you could see and it's it's often a good lesson in life, you know. The tzaddik that's leviyosin is also it's, it's, it's constant in that way. Oh, so that's a good question. That's a good question. I don't think you know when we speak about categories of tzaddikim, we don't necessarily mean that there's a demarcation uh, in the sand, and you're on this side, and you're on this side, and you never meet. Sometimes the same person. Sometimes there's an avoider here, there's an avoider there. 
sometimes the same day, sometimes the same week, sometimes there's a there's a, a chapter in life, or sometimes you go through a chapter in life. It could be a different era in history, a different milieu, a different month, a different day, a different week, a different hour, maybe a different minute. Huh? Different flight, yeah. Different flight or different walk. Yeah. So a person is driving in their car, and very often you get stuck in traffic. You know, when you get stuck in real traffic, an accident happened and nothing is moving, stand still. And people are screaming and beeping and trying to go here. And you go to the right lane, you go to the left lane, you go on a dirt road, you go on the side. You're stuck in traffic. And the movement is slow, very slow. Every hour they're moving a few inches, a few feet, a few yards. That's the world of traffic. That's the world of the highway. And then somebody gets into a plane. (laughs) They get into a plane. And you take off, right? And you could look down and you could see all the traffic. At least in the beginning of the flight, you look down. You... But the plane is completely unencumbered by that traffic. It's a different type of movement. You're never 30,000 feet above the Pacific Ocean, above the Atlantic Ocean, and the pilot says, whoa, a lot of traffic up here in the sky. Oh, my God. We have to stay here. for When the plane wants to come down back, say, oh, a lot of traffic. We have to circle we have to circle LaGuardia Airport for an hour. That happens because you want to come back down. When you're up there, it's a different mahalach. It's a completely, huh? Yeah, <laughs> you mean till we settle. <laughs> so spiritually also, there's two, there's two, there's two, there's two dimensions in life. The Shir Habar lives on the highway. <laughs> he lives on earth. So you're dealing, there's a lot of Islavos, a lot of beeping, <laughs> a lot of beeping, sometimes a lot of intensity. And it's, it's, it's a movement, it's a gewaldika, gewaldika avoida. But you're dealing with the gvul, you're dealing with the gashmi, so even the aliyah, even the halah to the divine is within the realms of the physical. The avoida of the levyasim, like he says, with the wings, it's atisa, whether it's underwater or the concept of Atisa, there's no traffic. So therefore the movement, the speed is a different speed. You're here now, and then a minute later, you're f- uh, an hour later, you're not uh, 50 miles further, or 10 miles further, 5 miles further, be 500 miles, 600 miles, whatever it is. Call every every uh, plane, Le Fumshura Delay. Whether the Concorde or the Jet, or the 747, whatever it is. We know in our own lives... All of us, we sometimes live in different places. Sometimes we live in the world of traffic. Every car who cuts you off is another situation, another cause of upsetness. And not, not necessarily talking about physical being stuck in traffic, but a lifestyle that's in traffic. And then there's a life in which you fly. You lift yourself up higher. There's no traffic. Nobody cut me off. Nobody's beeping behind me. Nobody's blocking the way. There's an endless harchava. It's a state of consciousness. One soul lives in one place. Another soul lives in another place. You can't force it. <laughs> if you're on the highway, you can't decide you're in a plane, but it's a whole different experience. You take off. You lift yourself up higher. And suddenly, no red lights, no green lights, no stop signs, no policemen, no tickets, nobody in a bad mood. It's a different world completely. The Leviathan lives in that world. 
That's why he says, Betisa Achas, with one flight. He's from here, and then he's on the other side of the world. And the Sherabar, it's incremental growth, like I gave the marshal from the chess game, the difference between the castle and the knight and the bishop versus the pawn who goes step by step by step. Very good. Very good. Nice. You see, when something happens up there in the air, it could be much more catastrophic, as we've seen a few weeks ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're saying these tzaddikim are on much higher standard. In the Kutatayr, the Balatanya quotes something that he heard from his rabbi, the Mazir Magid, that machshavah zadis shal tzaddikim, poigimim harbi yoyser me'avedis shal rishayim. Ah. Meaning a, an alien thought of this type of tzaddik can have a much deeper blemish and damage than concrete uh, uh, sins of, of the Rishayim. It's not concrete, it's not manifested, it's not brute, nobody even knows about it. But uh, you're dealing with the inner wiring, the inner energy. Yeah. That's from the Dr. Kalem, you say. Yeah, medactic. When Chazal said tzaddikim, medactic alayim kachudasayah Hashem is so meticulous. So I think often uh, it's 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 misunderstood by people. It's like when it comes to tzaddikim, Hashem gets like, ah, uh, huh? you're saying like OCD, like well, well you, just because I'm a tzaddik, so therefore I'm not allowed to relax. The vart is, it's a, it's a much more sophisticated idea. Uh, the voltage is very, very high. Nothing saying Tanya that Tanikim don't have these thoughts. They only creep you from other people. You're talking about the Tzaddik from Tanya. When he says in the Kutatay that Tzaddikim from the Magad, he means good people, good high souls, great souls. You're dealing with, you know, nuclear, let's call it nuclear levels of energy. <laughs> You deal with nuclear levels of energy, you know, when the, it's, 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 it's a wrong move could generate tremendous chaos and mayhem, just like it could light up the electricity, the light that it can unleash is also extraordinarily powerful. Yeah. So in every person's life, it's, it's, it's two states. One, I'm in a state of Leviathan, and one, I'm in a state of Sherhabar. According to all of this, we can now come and appreciate a little bit of the depth of what the Chazal meant when they spoke about this circus, this amphitheater and gladiator where these two great beasts, the great beast and the great whale, are going to come to an epic showdown. What's this epic showdown that we are supposed to look forward to with all the negunim about... uh, Vosgatemen essen by the Sudale, the Levyosum, the Sher Habar, etc. Yayin Amishumer, what is this epic showdown? So he continues, he says, Vilachain, you see, the line starts, Mila, Vilachain, Halivyosun, Yishkoitus Sher Habar. That's the meaning that the Levyosun is going to shecht, is going to kill. Going to stab with the fins. Yishchait here doesn't mean a kosher shchita. It means slaughter, literally kill. The shayr habar. What's pshat? Pirush. Sheyala oisoy. 
the Leviathan will sublimate the Shirabar, Aide Hatisa Shaloi, through its own flight. Bezel Bisanpirov. And that's why they say it's going to be with the fins. How the Leviathan is going to kill him. They say, no, with the Sampirov, with the fins. Why? What are the fins? The fins for the fish, like Rashi says on the word snapir, that these are the instruments through which the fish swims. For the fish to get from one side of the sea to the other side of the sea, from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake, it uses its snapper, its fins. It's like the wings of the bird. The fins are the wings of the fish. So the Ali of the Leviathan is represented through which aspect of it? Its fins, which allow its tisets, allow its... That is going to be the instrument of the shechita, which means it's going to be maile. This is beyond the capacity of the souls themselves who are called Shredabar. They need the Leviathan to elevate them. And this is why the word Yishchot, Shechita, is used. The Gemara says in Meseches Chul and Daflamid, Ein v'shochat elo umoshach. Some of you have been learning Masech Techulim. Ein v'shochat elo umoshach. The word shochat doesn't mean to kill. It means to draw. V'shochat is umoshach, to draw. Halachically that means that I can't take the knife and stab the animal and that's, that would disqualify it. It's not kosher. It's an avail. It's not a shchut. Shchita has to come from drawing. You draw. And therefore, a movement what's called Ratzai Veshoiv, the knife has to be drawn back and forth, and that's how the Shechita happens. Ein Veshachat Ela Omashach. Shachat means to draw. There's also a deeper interpretation. The only type of Shechita that's allowed is a Shechita that's Moshach. It draws up the animal. In Halacha, we have something called Meshicha, Kenyan Meshicha. What's Meshicha? Meshicha means there's something by you, and I'm Moshachit. I draw it to my domain, and that's how it becomes mine. What is the justification of shechita? If we talk about physical shechita, what's the justification for shechita? Only one justification. Ein v'shachat ela umashach. Umashach means that I'm a human being, and the meat is going to be elevated to the human domain, which is why we spoke many times consciousness during eating is paramount. Because if I am myself in the state of an animal, so what gives me the right to kill another animal? Just for my sake? I should become a vegan? Ein v'shachat, the only justification for shchit in Judaism is umashach. You're moshach, you're milet, you elevate it. What does it mean you elevate it? You elevate it is that when the person eats it, it now ceases to be something in the realm of the animal. And it becomes part of the Minamidaber, part of the human species, who's now linked to his source, which is the divine, so the whole world become, goes back to its source. That's what real shechita means. So shechita is meshicha. Ein v'shachat So the Balatanya teaches what Pshad the Leviathan is going to shech the Sherabar. The fins of the Leviathan represent its mechanism, its instrument, for its infinite aliyah, for its infinite It's going to elevate it's going to elevate all those souls who dealt with the Avodah Hashem on a Sher Habar level. The wild ox in the earth land, in the, in the terrain of the earth, refining the Sher, elevate them to a place where the Tzaddikim of Sher by themselves can't elevate themselves. Because they're stuck in traffic through the Sanpirim. It's going to be a Shechita. It's going to elevate them to the state of the Levyasa. 
But that's not all. The Sherhabar is also going to shecht. What does he say? Sherhabar with its horns is going to shecht the Levyoson. What does that mean? It's not one way. Sherhabar is going to elevate the Levyoson. Why? Because even though we explained the greatness of the Levyoson, there's one aspect in which the work of the Sherhabar soul is much higher than the Levyoson. Even though their entire life focuses on avoida within the material reality, but this is how it's supposed to be according to Torah. According to Torah, the person lives on earth and deals with earthiness all day. For example, back to the mitzvah that we've been using as an example, yes, there is a simcha that's experienced in an internal way. But the aid simcha As the Gemara says, the only way we achieve simcha, we need to use the basar. We need to use the yayin, the flesh and the wine. Chuli. Chuli means in so many other examples. So when the Shaira Bar is doing the Avaid and Gashmi, this is the blueprint of Torah of how a Jew serves God. And therefore, the Shaira Bar is also going to Shechtel of Yosan, meaning he's going to elevate the Lev Yosan to a much higher state. Why is this so important? This is the meaning of the circus. The meaning of the circus here is representing a truth. That when Mashiach comes, the Rebbeinu Shalom is going to show the Jewish people an understanding of their whole avoida, the general avoida, the whole story of history, their whole avoida in this world. There's no such a thing. The Levyasan, that's where it is. The Shayrabai, that's where. Shneim Kechatov. Both of them, as one, are perfect. Baha Hayadif or Baha Hayadif. In one realm, this is greater. And in one realm, this is greater. There's no such a thing. A person looks at somebody else and says, Why can't I be you? That conception is based on an erroneous misconception that there's a certain model in which Avoidus Hashem happens. There's no model. Wherever you are, in whatever state you are, there's the way you connect to truth. Sometimes a person is shaykh to the world of Levyasam. Sometimes a person is shaykh to the world of Shayrabar. But I wish I could be like him. I wish I could be like me yesterday. What do you mean you wish you could be like me yesterday? God doesn't want you to be like you yesterday. If he would have wanted you to be like you yesterday, so then he would have left you yesterday. He wants you to be you today. But you today, ooh, you're dealing in, you're stuck in traffic. (laughs) Yesterday you left to work an hour earlier, there was no traffic. Today you left to work an hour later, you're stuck in traffic. That's the avoid today. Huh? Yeah. Ephraim was the grandson of the Balshemtiv. And he says that when the Moshe saw the burning bush and it was not being consumed, that's a pelodic of art. He brings from the Balsham Tev, a moire de kevart. Degelmachin Ephraim. The vase of art. Moshe saw the burning bush and it's not being consumed. Hasneh boyebeish vasneh nenuukl. What does it mean? So Degelmachin Ephraim says, it's a metaphor, it's a parable for Avodah Hashem. You get up to Davin and you try to ignite a fire and there's a passion 
Somehow the fire can't get into your bones. It doesn't consume you. He says, as he puts it that you're filled with machshavas, zaras, and taivas, all these frustrations and thoughts and addictions and habits and mishagasin and fears and insecurities and jealousies and taivas, all these stuff, the fire just can't get into you. The fire is on the surface. You're on fire. But einenu ukol. It's not penetrating my bones. As they say. I'm still cold on the inside. So the Jew says, Let me figure out. Let me move away from where I am and try to get to another place. Rashi says, Asura mikan. I want to get to another place to figure out why am I not on fire? So what does Hashem tell Moshe? Take your shoes off your feet. The place upon which you're standing is sacred soil. Your dveikas with the Rebbeiner Shalom must happen from where you're standing. This is sacred soil. Don't say, tomorrow I'm going to start living. <laughs> tomorrow I'm going to become a good person. Tomorrow I'm going to connect. Sometimes it's a state of Leviathan. Sometimes it's a state of Sher Habar. The circus, the theatrical circus we're talking about is essentially happening every moment. When we speak about Mashiach, what do we mean Mashiach? Mashiach is just the world in which everything is clear. That's what Mashiach means. To give a marshal, yes. Uh, a person comes to a play and the curtains open up and there's this beautiful stage set up with all these props. So some people think they just set it up right now. No, the curtains were opened. This was set up much earlier and nobody saw it. Nobody in the audience saw it. Mashiach is not a new world. Mashiach means the curtains open up. The world of Mashiach is the world that's created now. The stage is created now. That's what it is. Mashiach just means the eyes of per- our perception is cleansed. The curtains open up. You could see. You could just see it. Now our eyes are not microscopic eyes, spiritually microscopic eyes. We see a certain limited degree. So all the things we do or we don't do, we don't have that sensitivity to be able to see the pinimius, the truth of ourselves and of the world or the impact. A Jew davens, he davens. He said a couple of words. Does a mitzvah, mitzvah learns. We don't see the inner dynamics. Mashiach pshat is, the, the curtains open up, you see everything. Reality. Once you see, everything changes automatically. So what, that's the pshat, when Mashiach is going to come, there's going to be a kanigya. What's going to be a kanigya? The Levyosin and the Sherba are going to have an epic show that they're going to kill each other. This is the grace of Mashiach. So now we're all going to become like the Spanish uh, spectators who watched the bullfights in Spain or the Roman Caesars who sat in, in, in their gyna- gymnasiums and coliseums watching. <laughs> this is what we waited for 2,000 years. It says, no, the Kinnigi represents that there's going to be an understanding and a vision. Yeah. And I guess this mimer itself is already a shtickle Kinnigi because he's already he's spilling the beans that Hashem is going to want to show the Leviathan is going to elevate the Sher Habar. But the Sher Habar is also going to elevate the Leviathan. Why? Shneim ke'echa toivim. Because there's two streams of Avodah Hashem constantly. 
In one stream, the person is on a flight, not encumbered by the physical world. As he put it, they are the vortex that I'm a chaber, ain't soif with oil, infinity in the world. And the Sher Habar is going to be elevated through the Levyasan. The consciousness of the Sher Habar one will be able to see in their struggles, in their fights, they're going to be able to see the sweetness of infinity, which we don't see today. Those of us who are Sher Habars, we battle. There are people sitting here in this room who have big battles, big battles every day, every night. You don't see greatness in those battles. All you see is frustration in those battles. What does it mean that the Leviathan is going to shecht you? The Leviathan is going to allow you to see your life from a deeper perspective, to see it from the perspective of the Leviathan. It's going to be elevated to that place. But on the other hand, the Leviathan also has to be elevated. Because there's something about the work in the physical world, which is the blueprint of Torah, that ultimately is deeper than everything else. The transformation of the physical into the divine has something that even the Leviathan doesn't have. The Leviathan is Givaldic. Leviathan lives in the world of water. But we were created to live in the world of, of dry land. Well, you want to know why, why, why it's such a gory language. Why not use the word they're going to hug each other, embrace each other, hang out with each other, Friends. eat kugel together. Yeah. I think, I think it's gory for us because we're, when we hear the word shechita, I think we, uh, we see it as gory. In other words, we, we, we impose, I think, our own vocabulary on the material, so we see it gory. But I think from a, from a deeper perspective, when he heard the word shechita, he didn't see it as gory. He saw it in Chathila as Allah. Yeah, so he saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he saw the word shchita, he didn't see it as gory, because if it would really be gory, we would really not be allowed to do it. If it would really be cruel, carbonus, yeah, reach nechisad, reach nechayich l'ashem. Mishchuk chulacham, the first carbon, mishchuk, very nice, mishchuk chulacham, the first carbon says the word mishchuk, parshas boy, megetach tzepesach. He says the first carbon that the Jews were ever commanded to bring was the carbon Pesach. And the way the Torah introduces is the word Mishchu. Draw, draw. And Rashi says, Mishchu Mavadazara. Huh? Mishchu Yidechem Mavadazara. Yeah. You're going to be connected to something. The person is drawn. you got to be connected to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody worships something, right? The question is only what? <laughs> The man who doesn't worship anything has not been created. The question is what you worship. People say, I don't worship anything. No, you worship something. <laughs> maybe the op-ed page of the New York Times. Maybe the commentator of CNN. Maybe your boss. Maybe the mighty dollar. There's something you worship. Yourself. Your, yourself. <laughs> we know people who worship themselves. But what's part of yourself? My laziness, my ego, my narcissism, my hedonism, my insecurity. I worship. Do I worship my chelik elikami mal? Love dafka. So therefore, mishchu. Yeah, you got to draw. So, just like the Leviathan elevates the Sherabar to a place where he himself can't reach because he doesn't have that perspective, the Sherabar also elevates the Leviathan to a place that he can't reach because of precisely the entanglement of the Sherabar with the avoid the gashmis with the physical world and its transformation. Well, Mashiach would come have the same troubles, you just won't see it as troubles, 
This, this, the story, this, this, the, the question, the story of Mendel he moved to Tveria. He was a student of the Magad, he moved to Tveria. Rabbi Shlomo Yosef Zevin brings the story I saw in Sipur Echsidim, and uh, he was a very reliable source. The editor of Encyclopedia Talmudis. So he says that Rabbi Mendel of Itepska, he was in Tveria once, and there was a fellow who, let's... Uh, who went up to the Harazesim with a shoifer, the Mount of Al to blow shoifer. So they right away started to WhatsApp messages, or whatever the form of WhatsApp was, that, you know, uh, Elio Anavi is here blowing the shoifer for Mashiach, and Mashiach is about to come. Jews always are, you know, yearning for Geula. So rumor had it, it spread like wildfire. The shoifer of Mashiach was blown on the Mount of Olives. And the story came to Tveria, to Reb Mendel Vitebska. Mashiach is done, Mashiach is about to come. So, so the story is that oh, he opened his window. He stretched out his head and he smelled and he said, Nachnisht, not yet. Not yet. He doesn't smell it yet in the year. So the obvious question is why did he have to open the window and stick his head out and smell outside? Take a sniff outside. And the answer is because in his home, there was always the Aver of Mashiach. In his home, there was always the ambience of redemption. So if he could smell in his house, he wouldn't smell it. Outside. What, what does this mean? What does this mean? Uh, some people say it's like like vetl, it's cute. It's not. It's a very, it's a very authentic idea. Mashiach is a state of the whole world, but first and foremost, it's a state of consciousness that will pervade the whole world. Reb Mendel Vitebske lived in that state of consciousness. He lived in a state of Gula. The Wastak of the state of Gula. Not that his physical circumstances were different. <laughs> they were not. And that's ultimately also part of Mashiach, the physical circumstances are different. But the consciousness was one of Gula. So therefore he looked at all the circumstances differently. So there's a very profound truth to that. So the person could be in the Sher Habar, but completely connected to the Levyosan consciousness. Because what the Kinnigir shows is that Shneim Ke'echatoiv, not just both are good, both are together. It's really just different manifestations of it. Where you're standing is Admas Kaidish. You're looking at your state as you're in the worst state of unholiness. Why is my stand not burning? Who told you it's not holy? Admas Kaidish, who says? Who says it's not holy? You're looking at it from a perspective of very limited, very limited, narrow perspective and therefore it's not holy I have to figure out how could the snap burn maybe this is exactly where you're supposed to connect right here right now where you're standing right now and that's the gewaldic of the Shei Rabbi that the Leviathan doesn't have that the ultimate kavan of transforming the earth the Eretz, not the Yam, the Eretz that happens only through the Shei Rabbi so he finishes, he says, Oh, now we'll understand the Gansa Maisa. The Levyosan is going to shech them with its fins. Even though today, if you take a fin and you shech the ox, this shechit is it's blemished. 
It's completely blemished. Machmas hefsek. Because it's not the smooth blade. It's rather like teeth. It's like a sickle. It has different edges. And it creates a partition. And that's not shechita. But in this spectacle, in this meal of the Leviathan Shemite, it has to be this way. Why? What does this shechita represent? The Shemite being elevated higher and higher through the Leviathan who elevates him through its fins. Here the shechita must come in stages. There has to be a hefsek, there has to be a separation in between. It's impossible that the Shair Habar should be elevated to the state of Yosan with one shchita, one blade, which represents a complete, uninterrupted sublimation. There are so many chambers. The chamber of merit. The chamber of desire. There can't be all the aliyas of the shayr in one shot. Rather, there's a partition between one chamber and another chamber. In other words, to turn the shayr habar into the levyasan, that's not the point. The point is not to make the shayr habar a levyasan. The levyasan, with one flight, with one shroop, with one swoop, comes from here to there. But the Sher Habar, by definition, back to our marshal of the pawn, back to our marshal of the car on the highway, the Sher Habar, if you're taking him through all the aliyahs, Babasachas, all the aliyahs simultaneously, is there Shanishka Sher Habar. The function of the Sher Habar is step by step by step. So there's the Shchit on one level, and then there's a Shchit on another level, and there's a Hefsik. That's the idea. That the Sanpirim, the Finns, are, are, it's all, huh? Serrated, yeah. There's a whole long row of, of, of edges, of sharp edges, and each one represents an aliyah to another place, meaning the idea of this aliyah is not that the Sher Habar is not a Sher Habar anymore. Then you're just delegitimizing it. The point is that wherever you are, you see the perspective of the Leviathan. Wherever you are in that struggle, you see it from the infinite vantage point of the Leviathan. You see the connection here with the pure source of infinity, and therefore the two worlds are linked. But how are they linked? They're linked by each one maintaining the integrity of its quality, of its character. And therefore the shechita by definition has to be with a hefsik. Because in this shechita, it has to be this way. And that's why Hashem is going to allow this begima, this blemish in the shechita, to become mutter in this Aliyah. Because what's being represented here is the Aliyah never happens in one shot. People get frustrated. I'm here today and tomorrow I want to be in heaven. No, no. The whole avoid of the Sher Habar is you work through every aspect. It's a slow and painful death. <laughs> it's a slow... I wouldn't call it a slow and painful death. Let's call it, let's call it a, an Aliyah that's integrated <laughs> within... Every facet of your character. <laughs> the whole idea of shechita is painless. It's like, That's the idea of shechita. Regular shechita is painless. Here we're talking about what the shechita represents spiritually. What does it represent spiritually? Right? Spiritually represented. The Sher Habar is going to be elevated from one heichel to another heichel to another heichel, from one chamber to another chamber. And there's a hefsek. You have to stop. Because at the Sher Habar, I can't achieve everything in one shot. If not, I'm not a Sher Habar. I achieve one thing, and now I have to internalize it. We all know in growth, yeah, 
if you share everything with yourself or with somebody else, they're left with nothing. Today we work on this. Integrate it. Stop. Let it become part of you. Now there could be the next level of shchita, the next aliyah. Integrate it, the next level of aliyah. The concept that everything is done in one shot, that works for the Levyas, that doesn't work for Asher Habar, spiritually speaking. I have to integrate, I have to internalize, I have to make it part of me. The Herst, the Levyasa doesn't have to go up to the Mizbeach. He didn't bring fish on the Mizbeach. Because the, the, the dog doesn't have to be sublimated. But the Shur was brought up to the Mizbeach. Malois steps are steep. <laughs> they can be steep. You go one step, a keves, a, a ramp. Is, is slow increments, right? It's, it's a slope, and you go up slowly. It's not like steps, like a ladder, which is much steeper. It says, don't go up like that on my Zbeich. You know why? Your nakedness may be revealed. What does this mean? On one level, it means their pants go up a little bit, because they, wear, they wore, the Mechnesayim were short. On another level, it means, when you go fast, you want to run up to the altar very fast, you can also fall down very fast. And when you fall down very fast, so then the erva could be revealed. You sometimes see with people, they see the top of the altar and they want to get there. They run up. They don't have no time. They got no time to waste. They need a chap malachim right away. And what happens? One of two things happen. Either they become dishonest people, delusional, spiritually delusional people, or even neurotic. Or, a year later, they end up in an abyss because it wasn't integrated. And whenever something is not integrated, it's not sustainable. You have to integrate it within who you are. If you don't integrate it, it's very nice for a moment. And that's why you'll see sometimes when it comes to spiritual growth, that if a person is not guided uh, in a proper way, they can jump very, very fast and then be left with nothing. And the frustration after that is very, very deep. And either the person detaches from themselves, in other words, they deny who they are, or they end up falling very, very low. And sometimes I should say this, and it's painful, that sometimes their mentors, maybe unwillingly, don't understand this, and they often uh, are very proud of their accomplishments, but they're not understanding who they're dealing with. Sometimes you also end up with a mentor who's manipulative, and he manipulates the ignorance and the innocence of a person who wants to grow to bring him to places where he doesn't, it's not really for him at the moment. Incrementally. Because the Sher Habar has the beauty of the Sher Habar. The idea of this Kenigi is not that there's no Sher Habar. It's that you appreciate the true depth of the Sher Habar from the Leviathan's perspective, but in a way that's consistent with the Sher Habar. And he finishes and he says, We understand why the Levyosin elevates the Sharabar through its fins, because the fins are the instruments through which it swims. The opposite is the Sharabar elevates the Levyosin through stabbing it with its horns. But he doesn't explain what that means, why the Karnayim, the horns, represent it. But there's a beer on this. Maltanya sometimes said a maimer, and then afterwards he gave a, a, a follow-up, an explanation, and there he adds one akuda, and that is that the karnayim represents, so to speak, the crown on the head of the ox. You have the head of the bull, and then you have the karnayim, 
which is the keser, which is above the brain of the ox, and those are the karnayim. There's an expression in Gemara, Masech the Chagigadav, Yud Gimel, that you have 500 years to get from earth to heaven, and then to get through the thickness of heaven is another 500 years, and then to get from heaven to heaven is another 500 years, and then the thickness of every heaven is 500 years, and you got to go seven heavens, and then on top of the seven heavens you have the Chayis HaKodesh, the holy animals, the Malachim. So he says that the souls of the of the angels, Ragle HaChayis Kenegat Kula, just to touch the legs of the angels is uh, is greater than the whole space from earth to heaven and all the sevens heaven, which each one was 500 years. And then when you get to the ankles, Karsule Achayis is Keneged Kulon, is above everything else. And then when you get to the Shoike, the thighs, it's Keneged Kulon. And so he goes more and more, and then he goes, Karne Achayis, the horns of the Chayis is Keneged Kulon. <laughs> so that's like the Keser, the crown above the Chayis, which is higher than the head. So he says the karnayim, the horns of the chayis, represents what's called oilam hatoyu, the world of intense chaos that we spoke about many times, that is even higher than the leviason, which represents chachma, koyachma, dveikas from the world of tikkun, because the true mile of the sher habar over the leviason are represented in its karnayim. In, what's the karnayim? The karnayim of the ox are the part that gores, it's its intensity, its strength, its power. It's undomesticated, wild aspect that the Leviathan doesn't have. That's the Karnayim. On one level, it's much lower than the Leviathan. On another level, those Karnayim, that intensity, which often falls down much lower because it becomes an ox, when it's sublimated, becomes something that elevates even the Leviathan to a much higher space than where it is. And that's why the Leviathan is going to be elevated by the Shar Habar as well. Related to what we said last time, related to this, I was thinking that after the Dalit Abu it says, Yayin Shech we think of it as an admission to them because they were. Suya Yayin Nichnesul Mikdash. They saw, people observed that in such ecstasy, and they felt that I'm not shy after that, let me take some kind of substance to bring me to that ecstasy. So it said, no. Yayin Shech that's not a way to. Like, you were still talking about the Kavisidon. That it was not. It wasn't that they were afraid. It was to the Hamayim. Don't think that you can feel bad if you're not seeing the ecstasy of the page, the days. Right, right. Yain v'sheikh al-tisht. You're saying amphibious. I think you meant aquatic. Aquatic. You mean because amphibious is both, both aquatic creatures that are only in water. That's a good correction. You heard Amphibious is they go yeah. both dry land and water. It's really good for that's the yeah. the, that's our goal. You're saying you're saying the goal is to be aquatic. We should try to get it, make aquatic. Aquatic, right? They ultimately have to come together. So amphibious would be correct, but aquatic means that they're in water. They become amphibious. The aquatic become amphibious, and the. Never know. What was was the demand? Three destinations. That's it. All the years, fifty years. Yeah. Shul, his house, 
and the oil of his father-in-law. Same, you don't see nothing else. Never went anywhere. Didn't leave New York. Didn't leave Brooklyn. He was working on a Ruchnius level, obviously. Yiddish cut is set up. Appella, Appella. Mamers didn't... Uh, no. Yiddish cut is set up. You know, we, we work during the day, you know, in Gashmias. Then we have certain times when we're supposed to go diving and get into the water. The yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. זה שייך לאלה שהם בקיאים גדולים בספרות הקבלה, כי הוא מראה את המקור של הדברים, איך שהוא תפתח את זה. כיוון שדרכי בקודש היה לא רק ללמד, אלא גם למסור הכל, לא רק להגיד סודות, אלא גם להגיד איך שהוא הגיע להסודות. לכן הוא הקפיד על זה. הוא נותן אמון בבני אדם, הוא מגלה הכל, פשטייסט. סטודי דיווסם גהלט ומפקרת, מפגנר זוגן דמיילם. מה? זה יהיה הלבוורט. נתקשסנט, כי גם...